welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden, and this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. It's Wednesday, which means our podcast is going to provide our feature interview. And this week, we're featuring a wide-ranging interview with two experts from BMO, Bank of Montreal. Joining me on the interview is Leslie Marks, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Private Banking, as well as Doug Porter, Chief Economist with BMO Financial Group. My BIV colleague, Nelson Bennett, also joined me. As you'll hear in the interview, we talk about a wide range of subjects from the strength of the Canadian loony to what NAFTA and uncertainty around that may mean for the Canadian economy. We talk about the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion, resources, and a variety of other issues. Have a listen to our feature interview for this week. Welcome back to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We are the daily business news program from the weekly Business in Vancouver newspaper and from our website at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. With me for this segment is my BIV colleague, Nelson Bennett. Two recent reports from the Bank of Montreal are offering insight into the state of the Canadian economy. In advance, of course, of the Bank of Canada's upcoming rate decision this week, BMO and others are anticipating that the bank will remain pat on the interest rate due to a number of wide-ranging issues and perhaps an interest in being a little bit cautious. Now, for our discussion today, we're joined by two guests with further insight into a variety of issues from resources to housing to the general economy. Joining us on the line in Vancouver is Leslie Marks, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Private Banking. Leslie, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me today. Also with us is Doug Porter, Chief Economist at BMO Financial Group. Doug, also a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Doug, it's uh, Nelson. I'll just uh, start with the first question. I, I just uh, noted that the um, so the Canadian dollar is now up to, uh, I think it's around 80 cents compared to the US dollar. And I think that's up from 76 cents in March. And by no small coincidence, uh, oil prices are up. Um, I've, I've sometimes heard it said that the loony is something of a petrodollar. That might be a bit of an overstatement, but they, the two things do seem to track. And I'm just wondering to what degree is the strengthening Canadian dollar related to oil prices uh, or are there some other factors at play here? And what does it mean for the economy? Well, in the last year or so, we've actually seen the Canadian dollar sometimes completely diverge from oil prices. There have been a number of other factors driving the currency, but I I think it is fair to say that it's uh, the comeback in oil in the past month or so, and especially the comeback in Canadian oil prices, our own version, have played a role in supporting the Canadian dollar. But I think another very important factor at play recently is the just the outlook generally on NAFTA is much less negative than it would have been, say, around the turn of the year. And I do think there was a bit of a discount on the uh, the Canadian dollar. I'd almost call it a NAFTA discount. You know, it's not like the clouds have completely parted on that front, but at the very least, I think there's a little bit of a more constructive tone there. And I do think that that, too, has played a role in uh, in helping uh, support the Canadian dollar. So I think those are really the two uh, two major factors that have uh, that have brought the currency back. Okay, and, and uh, I guess for some sectors, uh, a low Canadian dollar is actually an advantage for exporters. Uh, what what are the what's the upside of a strong uh, stronger Canadian dollar? Yeah, and I always like to say that basically, when a currency strengthens, generally speaking, consumers win, and most producers tend to suffer a, a little bit. But you know, from a bigger picture standpoint, I think having the currency appropriately valued is is 
good for everyone at the end of the day. And and I happen to believe that something close to 80 cents is not far from fair value for the Canadian dollar. So I don't, you know, as long as the currency isn't wildly overvalued or wildly undervalued, um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's reasonable for, for both consumers and, and producers. But, you know, basically the winner from a stronger Canadian dollar would be you and I, um, you know, the average person. They, they benefit uh, from somewhat milder import prices, and of course, it's uh, it's cheaper to travel to the U.S. and and in some cases, some firms actually do benefit from uh, from a stronger uh, Canadian dollar. Any firm that has to import a lot and, and basically has their receipts in in Canadian dollars. So some retailers uh, actually would benefit a little bit from uh, from a stronger Canadian dollar. On the NAFTA file, Leslie, your recent commentary points out that ongoing anxiety around NAFTA might be a reason the Bank of Canada shows some caution this week. Doug mentioned a bit of NAFTA relief and optimism, but Leslie, from an investment point of view, what's the level of anxiety among investors and businesses as it relates to NAFTA at this stage? Well, I think that you uh, pointed out a very important point, which is that um, with uh, President Trump's clear pivot towards China and away from NAFTA, um, we do uh, have some relief in the whole perception around the impact or the potential negative impact on NAFTA. And this is a case where you could actually see, not, not at this meeting this week with the Bank of Canada, but down the road, if we did see a resolution to the negotiations on NAFTA where the Bank of Canada could potentially use that uh, resolution as a catalyst to increase interest rates. Now, obviously, um, there are other factors that would be considered. Um, the Bank of Canada has identified that as a major risk for the Canadian economy, but another major risk is also related to uh, rising interest rates and the impact that that could have on Canadian consumers, not just in uh, housing and mortgage loans, but just in general consumer loans. So the Bank of Canada will be weighing both of those factors in its rate decisions and um, also taking into account its outlook for inflation. And to follow up on that with you, Doug, because in your recent report too, you talk about US-China trade tensions and the escalation there. Does that in any way have an impact on the ongoing NAFTA renegotiation? Could it provide some relief to Canada? Could it distract the White House administration in any way? What do you think the relationship might be between these two separate trade issues? Yeah, and I'm not sure if I would use the word distract, but I, I think it's fair to say that the U.S. probably doesn't want to be fighting two serious battles at once on, on the trade side. And, and our view all along has been that China is the much bigger issue for the U.S., especially if, you know, if you believe that the trade deficit is a problem. Um, China is the much bigger issue than uh, certainly Canada and even even Mexico. And and I also happen to believe that there are some voices around Mr. Trump that are basically telling him that NAFTA is not really the enemy that he portrays it as, including his new economic advisor, who happens to be a strong advocate for NAFTA. So I think there are a couple things that have happened here. One is that, you know, the U.S. has basically turned its attention much more on the, the tips with uh, with China. And I, I also do think that some of those voices may be getting through to Mr. Trump on uh, on some of the merits of, of NAFTA. I think he, he personally still does not like NAFTA. You know, he's, he said so much as much that, he'd, he'd, you know, if it was just up to him, he would terminate it. Um, but, I, but I think that there are enough voices around him that have uh, basically led him to train his fire elsewhere. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with Leslie and Doug. 
This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and your brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out online at their website, manningelliot.ca. We're joined by Doug Porter, Chief Economist at BMO Financial Group. Also joining us for this segment, Leslie Marks, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Private Banking. Yeah, Leslie, I was wondering if you could um, uh, speak to uh, in, uh, business investment in Canada, which has been down, um, I, I guess it's been a lot lower in the last few years than one would expect when the economy is doing well. Uh, the oil price drop in Alberta and uh, you know, 2015, 2016 uh, resulted in low, much lower investment there in Alberta. But I, I believe one of the, one of your reports had uh, suggested that the the dip in investment in the energy sector can't fully uh, account for a 2.5 percent decline in total private sector investment. When the economy has been doing well, why are we still not seeing uh, that translate into stronger uh, investment and reinvestment in the business sector? What's what's going on there? Right. So I think that the real issue in Canada is um, a lack of diversification in our sources of economic growth. So we've seen uh, strong uh, growth and related growth on the consumer side as it relates to the strength in housing prices and to sustain growth into the future for the Canadian economy, we need to see greater diversification in our economy, including the development of um, entrepreneurial industries as well as export industries. So I think it's going to be important for policymakers in the future both at the federal and provincial level to consider that our economy needs to be more greatly diversified to have sustainable growth and also to be able to compete with our partners or our, our trade partners, I should say, to, to the south where the tax environment has become much more favorable for investment, which is going to make it more challenging for us as Canadians to, to attract investment dollars. Thank you. Uh, Doug, I was just wondering if you could comment on the recent developments around the Trans Mountain Pipeline, but just to sort of set this up, uh, we've heard uh, the um, that that there's been a, quote, real-time flight of capital from Canada in recent years. We've seen major divestments from the Alberta oil sands by energy majors like Shell and Canoca Phillips. We've seen major pipeline and LNG projects cancelled. Um, and now we have the Canadian government announcing it will financially backstop uh, a pipeline expansion because Kinder Morgan uh, doesn't have the confidence in Canada's ability to see this thing through to the end. Um, now, I'm sure that this gives Kinder Morgan shareholders some assurances, but what does this tell the international in investment community if the federal government is, in a sense, conceding that the regulatory environment in Canada is now so onerous that it can't even get a project that it fully supports uh, completed, that, uh, that it now has to put public money into it. What does that tell the international investment community? Well, we'll have to see how, uh, how it all eventually plays out. But obviously, it is, uh, it, it is a bit of a black spot on, uh, on, on Canada um, from, from an investor's standpoint. 
Um, you know, as, 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 as I said, we'll have to see how, how exactly it unfolds. But I think um, probably the wider view would be that this is uh, a rather specific set of circumstances and doesn't necessarily speak uh, to investment projects across the country. It, it does have the potential if, if it uh, were to be uh, killed or terminated or it couldn't go through. I think, I think it would send a bit of a troubling message uh, more broadly uh, to, uh, to potential investors uh, outside of this country. Um, frankly, I was, I was a little bit concerned about Canada's investment climate even before uh, this, this moved right back on, on the front and center as, as an issue. Between the you know, uncertainty over the trade relationship with the U.S., between the fact that we've lost our uh, corporate tax advantage because of uh, U.S. Uh, tax relief, because we're you know, perhaps not as competitive on, uh, on personal taxes, I was a little bit concerned in any event about uh, about Canada's investment landscape, and and you know to your point, we saw a big uh, net direct investment outflow in 2017, the largest on on record, and you know that was really even before all the concerns over uh, the Trans Mountain pipeline really uh, came back to uh, to the fore. And just as a follow up to that, if the project does get built, obviously that's good for Alberta and its economy. Broad, more broadly speaking, what does it mean for Canada? Well, I think just generally, you know, if we look at it from a longer-term perspective, what it, what it would mean is that Alberta would have, you know, more more export markets, and uh, and and I suspect that the ultimate impact of that is they get a better price for uh, for their oil. Um, you know, what how that affects everyone is uh, the Alberta government uh, would ultimately get more revenues, whether it's through corporate income taxes or, or other means, and you know that would basically just provide uh, more revenues to uh, to fund. Uh, Program spending or potentially tax relief down the road. So, I, I happen to believe that uh, that all of Canada can indirectly benefit if, if Alberta gets uh, gets better pricing on its oil. One thing I think we talk about perhaps more than Trans Mountain here in BC might be Vancouver real estate. So, Leslie, I have to make sure I, I get a question to you on this one. When we look at the figures for Mark, we saw some big declines in sales, but of course, we're comparing that to uh, really a crazy year for housing in 2017. Are we seeing a normalization? Can you give us any insight into into what we're seeing and whether it should be of concern? Um, so I, I think that we are seeing some level of normalization. And um, in addition to uh, some market-specific um, policies, as you know, uh, nationwide, we have policies in place now that test the sensitivity of uh, mortgages to higher interest rates, which is very key um, to removing uh, certain levels, I would say, of speculation in the real estate market in general. So I think that's important that um, investors in Canadian real estate are stress-tested because we've been very successful as a country in enduring um, different crises in the past, but particularly the um, great financial crisis um, in 2008, we didn't endure the same problems that they experienced in the U.S. And part of that is because of our policies, which are different than they've experienced in, in the U.S. And we want to continue to have a strong financial sector going forward. That's such an important part of the Canadian economy and housing um plays into that. So I think that uh, we are seeing some signs of normalization also in, you mentioned the Vancouver market, um, which is important, but also Toronto has also factored into these crazy um, euphoric pricing uh, environments that, uh, that, that we've also seen here mm -hmm. in Vancouver. So I think that, you know, we're, we're in a better place today. 
Great. Well, Leslie, Doug, thank you both so much for taking the time to join our program. Really appreciate it. Thank you. That's Doug Porter, Chief Economist with BMO Financial Group, and Leslie Marks, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Private Banking. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Haley Wooden. And I'm Nelson Bennett. And we'll be back right after this. That was Leslie Marks, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Private Banking, and Doug Porter, Chief Economist at BMO Financial Group. You've been listening to the BIV podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. And that's it for our show today. You can find more business news, past podcasts, past radio show clips, all at BIV.com. And if you want additional podcast content, you can find all of that on iTunes. If you want to connect with me, my Twitter handle at Haley Wooden. And you can also find my work at BIV.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.